0: This morning we're going to return to uh, Romans uh, chapter 12 and we're taking these pieces of these verses in 9 uh, through 21 pretty slowly because they're, they're probing. They're penetrating. And it is a good thing uh, for us to sit with these truths because we want our love to be genuine. We want our love to be real. We don't want to be hypocrites. And so all of these things that we're looking at in these weeks flow out of this, this command, let your love be genuine. So I'm going to read uh, verses 9 through 13 as we turn now to God's Word. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. This is God's word. Pray again with me. Holy Spirit, would you cause these words to um, penetrate our hearts um, where, where we may even find ourselves resistant to this truth, um, let us be open to your Spirit. And most of all, may we see ourselves as having received your mercy, your hospitality, your good gifts. In the name of Christ. Amen. Well, I've been thinking about these verses that we're looking at today, especially verses 12 and 13. Look look at those verses again, back to back, and see whether you can make a connection between those two. Look at what it says. Rejoice in hope, be patient in in tribulation or affliction, and be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Doesn't it look random? We're looking at that first verse, verse 12, as as God operating on our hearts uh, in such a way that we are able to truly say we rejoice in hope. And we're patient in trouble and we're constant in prayer. But you see, as we focus on that emphasis, on that inward work of God, it is possible for us to become self-absorbed. It's possible that we become introspective as we look inside. And we can also slip into being so spiritual. You, you, get, my, you get my quotes. Uh, you can become so spiritual That you might even miss the brother in need right next to you. You can be so spiritual that you miss the sister who just lost a job. Or the one who is going through some financial problems because you're so focused on your relationship with God. Well, genuine love, my dear friends, does not stay in the heart. It sees what what people need and it moves out in compassion. You see, love that is not genuine, love that is hypocritical is what leads us not to respond in compassion to others. So I want to look at at just these two points this morning that we were called to share uh, in the needs of the saints and we are called to practice hospitality. Share in the needs of the saints, the first part of, of verse 13. Now, the ESV, I think, uh, mishandles that, that Greek word that is there. Uh, it is a word that is based on, we, we get koinonia from that root word. And so the idea, the idea of contributing money to someone else who might be in need could be cold. Um, it, it could be, it could be distant, and, and, and may miss the point of what the apostle is really calling us to. He is saying, share in the needs of others. Don't just share with them. Do we hear the difference? Share in their needs, not just share with them. So don't just write a check, but get involved. Don't just give to, but partake in the needs of others. You see, that's more intense than writing a check, isn't it? We're going to be collecting a deacon's offering at the end of the Lord's Supper. You're encouraged to write checks. You are. We like checks. But we don't want it to stop with checks. We're involved with people. We get down and dirty Uh, We get down into their needs as if they were, were our own. You see, genuine love, love that is without hypocrisy, also includes brotherly affection. And if we have brotherly affection for people, we want to carry their burden with them. You feel their struggles, don't you? I know you do. You feel their burdens, don't you? And yet there's also an obstacle. And the obstacle is that we, and I'm thinking now on the receiving end of things now, okay, that we love our independence. That's kind of hardwired into us. We want to be independent. We do not like to appear needy. We don't like to appear that we need other people. We like to appear together. No needs here. And yet, the Gospel blows up that charade because every one of us is needy. Every one of us is desperate for the grace and the mercies of Jesus Christ. And if you happen to need money for a while, if you happen to need money for a while, that doesn't make you any less of a believer. And if I happen to have some money that I can help you with, That doesn't make me a better person at all. Jesus uh, breaks down all the barriers between us, whether whether it is our pride or our shame that would keep us from helping another or being helped, whether it is wealth or poverty. Jesus breaks down those barriers. A great example of that, and I would like you to turn back with me to um, Acts chapter four, uh, the story of the early church, um, and and uh, just just a little bit of background here. Um, on on the day of on day one uh, at the day of Pentecost, three thousand people were added to the church, and then as the preaching would continue, more people were added daily. And I don't know how many then are, are really, we're talking about uh, at the end of, uh, in chapter 4 here, but there are a lot of people with different, person, with different na- languages, with different nationalities. They came from different places. Their diets are different. They smell different from one another. These people are different. And, and yet, look what it says in chapter 4, verse 32. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and mind. How is that possible? Slip down to verse 33. What one thing did they have in common? And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Christ is risen is what they had in common. Christ was their savior and he was risen. Language barrier unimportant. National differences doesn't matter. They had everything else in common. Let's finish verse 32. Full number of them a believer one heart and soul so that no one had any of the things that belonged so that no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own but They had everything in common. Now, some people have looked at this and they've said this is a form of, uh, this is an enforcing of, of really, the rule for the church should be communism. Um, Kids, I don't know if you're familiar with, with communism. It was a thing when I was growing up. I can remember... I can remember when when the the U.S. the Soviet Union um, had a, 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 a launched a rocket, and the Sputnik, and it was out there, and and um, and we were we were scared, and we had drills in my school as a little kid, of of staying away from the windows and getting underneath our desks, and we were afraid if they can put a, a mo- they can put a, a missile up there, they could they could they could bomb us, and this is what the fear was. And my dad had a way of describing communism, uh, and this was is what he said of 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 Khrushchev, as as the sandwiches are passed around, Khrushchev said, "Oh, I don't want one. I'll just take a bite out of everyone else's." That's what communism is. We we own your stuff. Now, is that what is that what is being in view here in the ch- in the in this chapter? Of course, of course, it is, it is not. No one said, this is mine, you can't have any of it. No one said that. No, what they said instead was, this is mine, and I want to share it. This is mine, and I want to benefit you, so that there will be no needy person among them. Verse, verse four, 34. It's mine. And because we are in Christ together, I share it with you. And so this church, 4,000, 5,000, all kinds of different people, no one was overlooked. No one was ignored. There was a deep emotional connection to the church. I I want to read a statement from a book that was... a document that was written towards the, i believe towards the end of the first century it's called the didache the teaching of the apostles and this is how they described what was going on you shall not turn away from uh, turn away from someone in need but shall share everything with your brother or sister and do not claim that anything is your own for if you are sharers in what is imperishable how much more so in perishable things It was a sense that the church had. This is what God does, of course. This is why it makes so much sense to us. Because Jesus didn't just contribute to our needs. He didn't just give us a little bit more grace that would get us into heaven. We're doing pretty well on our own, but we need a little bit more to get over the hump. He didn't just just contribute to our need. This is the amazing descent of the Incarnation. He became one of us and took on a body like ours so that he could take on our needs. He was rich but became poor so that uh, for your sake, so that through his poverty you might become rich. So this is what Christians do. That's why we can read Matthew 25 and say, somewhere, we're in there. In that description of the sheep, that's us, if we're truly believers. This is what Christians do. We are willing to be inconvenienced, to go out of our way. People aren't interruptions. That's actually in a prayer that I have on my desk that I read every, at the beginning of every workday. People are not interruptions. They're what I do. (laughs) And you too, people are not interruptions. You get to know them. You take time to know them and care for them. And I'm so thankful as I look across this room. I know that so many of you are like that, quietly and behind the scenes, willing to be inconvenienced and serve others. Well, let's just go on the other side of this then. Are you one who allows your needs to be known? Or does that embarrass you so much? Or do you become ashamed of that when others might see that you need something? Please hear this. We are all the same. There is no shame in having a financial need. We are all stone broke. So, are you willing to receive and not just give? I think it is easier, easier to give oftentimes in it. But the more you know of God's goodness, the more you want to give. And also, the more you know of God's goodness, the easier it is to receive from other people. Your pride, your pride has been lessened or diminished, and you're able to receive from others. Well, this is a very tight connection then. You, you want to, you want to, to show compassion and, and meet the needs of others. And, and then the second part of this verse says, okay, show hospitality to each other. This is pretty clear. These are not arbitrary. They fit together. Love for strangers. Also love for those in the church. The both are included here. But love for strangers. That's what that word hospitality the, the parts of that word in, in the original means "show love," a lover of love for strangers. Remember, at the early part of last year, some of you were here and and um, and heard. A, I went through a series of about six messages on hospitality, and one of the main threads of that was the stranger becomes a guest in your home. The stranger becomes a guest. The guest becomes a friend, and a friend becomes family. That's the way it works. From stranger to guest to family. Now, we know that this kind of hospitality was necessary in New Testament times. There were traveling preachers that would come through. They didn't have a place to stay. They needed to, to stay with a, with a Christian family that, while they were there. And, and, so, and so people were accustomed To putting uh, these traveling preachers up in their homes. There was also persecution that was creating many believers to be displaced. They had to leave their homes, they had to flee, and so they would go to another town and they had no money, they had no place to stay, people would open up their homes. And and thirdly, there weren't beautiful um, buildings like this, and so... People would meet in one another's homes. And and in Rome itself, Priscilla and Aquila opened up their home for the church to meet there. So there were three very clear, obvious needs for hospitality. And you might say that, well, we don't need to be hospitable because we don't have those needs. Are you tracking with me? You could think that way, right? We don't need that kind of involvement, so is hospitality in the church necessary? That's a question. <laughs> what do you think? Well, here are the needs that I observe: people in general. And I don't have a person in mind when I'm saying these things. I just think these are in our This is in our hearts. We are oftentimes feel lonely. We oftentimes feel separated from other people. We may look at it. How many times have I heard this? You look at a certain family and you say they have it all together. They don't have problems. Have you ever thought that? That's a make-believe world. (laughs) No world like that. No, we we we. But we can look to other people, and and they look to have it all together, and we feel we feel left out like we're missing out. Others fit in, but I don't. And I'm not really sure that other people really care about me. Those those are also needs. And that's oftentimes the way that our hearts kind of run. We may not need a meal. We may not need a bed. But we do need friendship, and we need a family to belong to. We all we all get battle weary, don't we? In this world, we all get battle weary. Two major things that come at us in this life, and one is suffering from the outside. We can all be overwhelmed by by uh, by illness or by circumstances in our families. We can be sinned against. We can feel beaten down. We get battle weary from our suffering. We also get battle weary from sin that feels overpowering. We can feel defeated. And, and, and I, I love it. <laughs> That in the in the epistles of the New Testament, there are five different times where Paul says greet one another with a kiss. Now, I'm not suggesting that we have to do that literally. It might be a little disturbing to some of us and it could be misinterpreted. You know, okay, cultures are different. But But what is so beautiful about that is that it is really the kiss of God that we are giving one another. We are loved by God. We're loved by our Father. And we need, we need to know that gracious peace from heaven, that kiss of God's love. And so as we greet each other, we, we, and, and you know, I, I, I know that we can walk into this room and you might have come from a very difficult week that nobody else knows about. And when you can when you can see a brother or sister who welcomes you kindly and warmly and says how you doing? No, really, how you doing? What a help! What a help! That's an expression of hospitality. So glad you're here. Well, why again do we need to be hospitable? This is please. Why do we need to be hospitable? Is this is this a law that God has given to us for some arbitrary means, reason, or is there something else going on here? Why do we need to be hospitable? It is because God is an hospitable God. And God visited us. Jesus came down from the Father's house. He became one of us. He moved into our neighborhood and he lived among us. And through His death on the cross, He opened up the Father's house to us to make room for prodigals to come home. And He's fixing up a place for us right now because He wants us to be with Him in His house in heaven. But He is not content to simply wait for that later on event. Until then, this is what the New Testament offers us. The Father and the Son will come to us and be at home with us. The Father and the Son, through the Spirit, being at home with us. The Christian life is hospitality. God's hospitality. And because we've been welcomed in, we really want to do that for others. Some of you might be sitting here and saying, wow, I'm not sure I'm up for this. (laughs) I don't do hospitality. Well, let's find a way. See if you can can find a way to do it. Let me me mention three things in conclusion here. Remember, the text says, seek to be be hospitable. So we've got to figure out a way to get this done. All right? Let's look at three examples of uh, nuts and bolts here. Well, to whom are you to be hospitable? To whom are you to be hospitable? Now, we are all comfortable with our family and friends, aren't we? And we love to have family and friends around the table. I mean, it's just, I love it. I know that many of you do as well. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. But, but in the kingdom of God, we are also called to fold in others into these gatherings with family and close friends. Fold in people that you don't know so well. Again, because God is hospitable. It is a reflection of the hospitable heart of God. And so uh, Jesus puts it this way. in, in um, It sounds like he's just being over the top here. And I think, I think he's making a point. But, but, he, but he says, when you, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors. Don't invite them, because he says, because they'll just turn around and invite you back to their homes. And what have you gained there? Okay. So he says, instead, you invite um, uh, you invite uh, the, the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind. Uh, so that you will be blessed because they can't repay you. They can't repay you and your payment in kind is in, is in heaven. My, my sister told me this a long time ago and I think, it's, I think it's right, that your invitation list indicates your view of the kingdom of God. And so you want to invite your family. I think Jesus is making a point here, overstating things a little. But you also want to see others around your table. Even those who can't repay you. It's an expression of grace and the kindness of God. So who? Well, everyone is included then. Everyone's included. Well, if you have not uh, been uh, one for doing much um, hospitality or if you're getting along in years and you're losing some energy, <laughs> here's what you might consider to start slow, to start slow. And, and you can even set some kind of, you know, once a month or once every two months or even once every three months, I'm going to have someone in my house who I don't know very well, but as an expression of kindness, the kindness of the Lord, someone I don't usually hang out with. You could even have in your small group, you could be having a, a plan to invite people in regularly. Or or you could team up with a single adult and you could together invite invite some folks into your house and have a grand a grand meal together. These are these are all ways you can you can start slow and make and make and, and just be steady uh, in that progress. And then also you, you you K-I-S, and I only have one S for this one. I don't like the second S that some people put on it. Keep it simple, okay? Uh, just call it that. Keep it simple. You're, you're not uh, entertaining. Uh, you're not trying to impress people. The goal to have people in your homes is that they can be comfortable so you're able to have... Decent conversations. And if you are comfortable, they will be. That's one of the greatest compliments that Gail and I have received as people who have been in our home. We have just felt so comfortable. And we say, praise God, so have we. You know, you keep it simple. Not trying to impress we we not long ago had had some people over and and Gail served this hearty soup with some bread and a salad and I can remember cleaning up after that Gail that was perfect that was so good just soup bread and salad man I, I love it good good thick soup. So, you keep it simple. Now, what if you can't have people in your home for whatever reason? I love what I see going on in the senior lunch down at the down once a month here. That, that seniors will invite others to come to that meal. And we thank God for those who are serving it. But it's an opportunity to invite people into God's house for a meal. It's a wonderful thing. Okay, you're not a senior. You're not a homeowner. Invite someone out for a cup of coffee. Someone at school, just, just, just getting together and, and just getting to know them and asking questions, finding out where it is that they have perhaps longings to know God and maybe don't even know it. And you can befriend them. But people, please hear me. The, the movement of the Christian life is outward and welcoming to others. Because Jesus has done that for us. But how you do it, well, that's up to you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, um, we thank you for today. It's a great day for us to gather, um, to worship, and to enjoy your word, to be challenged and stretched, to see the beauty of Jesus, our hospitable Savior. And now, um, Lord, to receive the Supper. Um, In his house. Uh, Jesus is having us over for dinner today. And we are glad to be here. Um, So feed us, nourish us with the Lord Jesus himself. We ask in his name. Amen.